things my family did I am not the voices in my head I am not the pieces of the brokenness inside I am light I am light So there's a couple of things that I want to share and talk about. One is how, and I know I've said this before, and I will probably say it another thousand times because I don't think we can hear it enough. The importance of allowing ourselves to experience the seasons of life. The importance of allowing ourselves to be one with the natural ebb and flow of things. I recently wrote a book and published it, which I will be talking more about in a moment. And I could have been hard on myself. I could have beaten myself up. I could have seen myself as a failure or uh, as letting people down, given that I haven't recorded a radio show episode in many weeks, if not months, as I was finalizing this book and birthing this book out into the world. And I was taking my dog for a walk and I was thinking about this and realizing that isn't it strange because I know I've certainly heard this a lot and probably you have too, how consistency is key um, to, to show up consistently, to share whatever it is that we share on a regular recurring basis and to never let that falter. And that is the path to success or the path to uh, having a loyal following or whatever we want to call it. And then this idea occurred to me. I don't believe that we look to, well, it's nearing summer here, so flowers are in full bloom, many of them, and I'm thinking, I don't believe we look to flowers and say, you know, flower, you need to consistently show up for us to appreciate your beauty, for us to appreciate your fragrance. You know, I need to see you consistently every week, 24 7, 365. No, we don't think that. We don't expect that of nature. We don't expect our flowers to be in bloom all year round. We know there will be times where our flowers will be buried under snow or wilted or closed, even on a chilly night in the prime of summer. And we're okay with that. Equally, uh, I'm not personally a winter sports fan, but maybe you are. Maybe you enjoy downhill skiing or snowboarding. And again, I don't know if those of us who enjoy those sports ever think, well, for me to really enjoy this sport, for me to get the most out of it, for me to really experience the value and joy that I get when I am sledding or flying or skiing down that hill, these, I mean, it needs the snow all the time, at least once a month. Right? We don't think that. We understand that our natural system, our natural environment doesn't work that way. And then I was, this thought came to me. I said, it's, I believe the reason we are not as forgiving of ourselves and the reason we have these other expectations or definitions of success in our society is because we are not run by nature. We are run by the dollar. We are not... Um, we do not see ourselves as one with nature. 
but rather as one with the dollar. And so for us, we think in order to make X amount of money or to have X amount of people following us or to make X amount of impact, it needs to look a certain way. And so often that is not the natural way of things. So here I am after many weeks, if not months, of taking a break from recording these shows. And and something else that's coming up for me is I was listening to a Rob Bell podcast during some of that time. And he also shared how he had been recently on a book tour and had just written a book and he had taken some time off. And the importance of that for him, because for those of us, and and you probably do this in your own life, in your own way, for those of us who are creating, who are sharing, who are teaching, there is an energetic exchange of that. And there is a lot of outflow and there needs to be time to replenish. As Rob Bell says, there needs to be a time to stop talking and then to listen, to just be. And so maybe that's what I've been doing. I've just been, and I've been listening, and I've been absorbing, and honestly, I have just been resting. And I really felt inspired to share this, and so here I am. The other thing I wanted to talk about and share is my... um, writing and publishing my first book. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm imagining a lot of applause right now in my head. (laughs) Yes, it was, it is a tremendous accomplishment and it feels incredible to say I am now a published author, something that two, three years ago, I would lie in bed at night and recite to myself. I am a published author the power of I am. And now I am. <laughs> and, um, and the thing I want to talk about today is this concept that while I was in the writing process, a lot of people would often say to me, wow, that, oh, that sounds so hard. I could never do that. I could never write a book. Oh man, that just seems impossible. Wow. How, how do you do that? And then after I published the book, I, other people saying things like, oh my goodness, I just, you know, so many people say they, they want to write a book, but I don't know if I've ever met someone who says they actually did, or there are very few people I know who actually did. Now you and I both know there are millions of books out there, so that's not entirely true. But the point is that there are so many people who say they would do it and then they don't. And then this other belief of how impossible it is to write a book. How in the world did I do that? Wow, I must be a magician. (laughs) Well, no, I'm not. And I don't say all, I don't say any of this to, to toot my own horn. I really say this because I want to share with you my experience of something that is seemingly impossible and in reality, very possible. Because that, I think, is the magic or is the miracle. It seems impossible to us until we do it. And I think there's a quote, and I'm even forgetting now who who wrote it, who said it. I'll share it with you when I find out. But the quote is that, you know, it's anything seems impossible until it's done. And that was my experience writing a book and publishing it. And as I reflected on that, even in the process, um, I saw another moment in my life where I did the seemingly impossible. Again, I certainly 
was not um, an award-winning anything, and I was a very average, normal person, and I was surrounded by other people doing the very same thing, and yet so many others in my life were in awe of what I did. In 2009, I hiked the Appalachian Trail, which is a little over 2,200 miles. It goes through 14 states, I believe, on the east coast of the United States. It starts in Georgia, and it ends in Maine. And I walked the entire thing with my partner at the time and hundreds of other people. And for many people, that might seem impossible, unless you've done it or done something similar, of course. And when I was preparing for it, I, I suppose, yes, it felt a bit daunting, although... I don't know, I guess I just went in with an attitude of why not? <laughs> why not try? And I set the goal. And nearly six months later, from having started, I finished. And then it was interesting when I looked at the process of writing my book. It took me just under six months to finish it. From when I really sat down and started to when I was able to publish. And I also think that's fun. I don't think there's anything magical necessarily about things happening in six months, but for me, what it shows is that something that is seemingly impossible can take less than half a year to do. And, um, and I think out of these experiences, I learned a few things. And these are, this is what I want to share with you. The, what I found to be, in my opinion, in my estimation, the, the why. Why was I able to accomplish these things? Why and how did I take the seemingly impossible and make it possible? And I would start with that I shared this goal, this intention, uh, this vision of mine with others. So I had them hold me accountable. Either I asked for their accountability very um, you know, consciously and tangibly, or it was more of a subconscious request because I just let them know. So that was the first thing I did. In both of these cases, hiking the Appalachian Trail in 2009 and writing a book in 2017, I started actually a year or more prior by telling people about it, declaring it, making it real before it even was real. And I think that's really important. And that actually, to me, ties to these concepts of the I am, the I am principle, the I am statements. Wayne Dyer speaks of this in Wishes Fulfilled, and he is referencing the I Am prophecies uh, of another, again, teacher who I cannot recall the name of at this moment, but this I Am principle where we state what is even before it seems like reality. So a year or more prior to both hiking the Appalachian Trail and writing a book, I told people about it. I, I threw a party for myself before the AT and said, we're going to hike the AT and we're going to need your support, either financially, um, emotionally, right? We need to know people are rooting for us and we need you to know that we are going to complete it and we are going to finish it. So we need you to just be thinking about us and holding us in your thoughts and prayers. And in some way that, when it got tough, when I was out on the trail, there was something there. I had people already that had my back that knew I was going to do this. And that times gave me the courage to keep going. I did the same thing with my book years before I started really writing it. At least a year before I started writing it, I would tell people, I am writing a book. 
Now that may have meant that I had a, I don't know, working title. <laughs> it could have meant that I had jotted down some ideas. Um, it could have just meant that I had the idea and I was holding it in my mind. And I was making it a reality by telling people about it. And in so doing, I, had, I developed um, a, a natural support system around me. People who wanted me to succeed. People who asked me how it was going and kept me accountable in that way. And this is not uh, a forced accountability system. This is a very natural, organic account accountability system. And then... Uh, nearly six months before the book was published, I, I did something even a little bit more aggressive to really uh, ask for support, really declare my intention, and make it even more of a reality when I launched a Kickstarter campaign. And at this point, I said, okay, now I'm really asking for your help, for your support, and I'm going to be held accountable now because I am saying to you, I will have a book written and in exchange for your dollars, for your money, your financial contribution, I will give you my book at the end. So I was really on the hook for this. Now, these were not done from a place of guilt, feeling guilty, feeling obligated. But what happened was I developed, I created this incredible support system, this cheerleading squad of who was rooting for me and celebrating me and asking me how it was going and sharing in this excitement of writing a book. And so I was able to complete it. So that was the first thing. I made it a reality before it was a reality by sharing it with others and getting them to hold me accountable in some way. The other thing, and, the, and we hear about this all the time, is that I took one step at a time. And that seems simple. Now, it, it, that was very uh, um, literal on the Appalachian Trail. It's a bit more metaphorical in terms of writing the book. But on the Appalachian Trail, it was about getting up in the morning, putting one foot in front of the other, and walking one step at a time for a few hours or a few days, whatever it was, however we broke it up in our minds. I did not walk 2,200 miles in one go. I got there one step at a time. And I haven't done the math, but is that like a million steps? I don't know. 10 million? I'm not sure. But the only reason I completed it was because I took one step at a time. I didn't take two. I didn't take four. There were a few times I jogged. A few times I sprinted. So there were times where I had to speed up. And even then, I was taking one step at a time. Now, when I look at that from a more metaphorical perspective, how we can apply that idea to anything we do, and you already know this. I'm not telling you anything new, but this is how I saw it show up again when I wrote this book, is that taking one step at a time meant some days I opened up my laptop and I would write a chapter. Maybe I just wrote a paragraph. Here's the other thing I want to say. One step at a time, when it's used metaphorically, can look a little different. Um, and equally, one step at a time doesn't mean it's the same a number of steps every single day. Right? So again, allowing for the ebbs and flows of life to be there. When I was on the trail, sometimes it meant we hiked however many steps equated to 14 miles. But on other days, we didn't go any miles. Some days we went two 
Okay, and that's actually going to be my next point. But I just want to say one step at a time doesn't automatically mean every single day I'm taking the same number of steps. But I was taking one step at a time when I wrote my book. So I would sit down and I would do the next thing, whether or not that was writing the outline, whether or not that was jotting down an idea for the first chapter, whether or not that was having a conversation with somebody about the book that inspired me to write more, whether or not that was having a conversation with a publisher, whether or not that was attending an online course to receive even more inspiration for what it means to be a writer. The steps could look different and they didn't always carry the exact same amount of quote unquote weight, but they were each a step towards finishing a book. And there were times in that process where like on the AT, I had to sprint. There were times on the writing, in the writing process where, yeah, I, I kind of had to write more. You know, I told myself I'd write a chapter a week when it really came down to those final six months or four months technically of writing. And I said, I want to write a chapter a week. And I did it again, because I had someone holding me accountable. I had someone I was sending it to. And so that sometimes meant, you know, writing a little more on some days and others. And so that actually takes me to my third point, which is to allow for the ebb and flow, to be flexible, right? So I think sometimes we get into our minds that it has to be linear, that it has to you know, look a certain way, go a certain way, and it just follows this very linear process. Well, if I set it in my calendar, I set the dates, that's what it's gonna be. Some of that actually did happen and was required. I did set dates when we hiked the Appalachian Trail. Uh, and, and actually, th maybe this is a fourth point, or this can be part of point three. I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm realizing there also had to be some constraint. Okay, when we, so I'm going to make this a double pointed point three. <laughs> we need constraint, some sort of structure, and to be flexible to flow within this. Many of you will would know this by the balance of the masculine and the feminine, or this idea of structure and flow, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. But now I'm really seeing how that was true for me in both of these cases. Hiking the Appalachian Trail, there are only about seven or eight months of the year you can hike it safely. It will close. You cannot reach Katahdin after a certain date. Katahdin being the final mountain in Maine, should you go south to north on your hike. And even the other way, if you go start in the north and you head south, you still are limited because it opens at a certain point and the south does close eventually. So you are given very real constraints to work within. And I do think this is important because so often when we say, wow, that is so impossible, it's because we don't give ourselves those constraints to say it has to get done in this amount of time. But that is not the only part of the puzzle. It is equally as important to have the flexibility element and component, or we might just give up and quit altogether or never start because we think, hell no, I'm not giving myself that much constraint. I don't want to feel that tied to any one thing. You can't tell me what to do, right? Our rebel comes out a little and we don't want to play by the rules. But what I'm seeing is that for the Appalachian Trail, we knew we had a certain amount of time to finish it. And within that, we had some flexibility. Most people finish in six months. We finish a little under, although we even slowed down at the end, right? Because again, this is where the ebb and flow comes. We wanted to wait for some friends so we could celebrate together. So we gave ourselves that permission. We didn't say, no, we had to, even though we had a date in mind that we wanted to summit, we didn't say, nope, it has to be that date. There's no budging. 
as we went along the trail and we met friends and we had these people that we wanted to celebrate with, we were willing to say, sure, we'll slow down. We'll take an extra week so we can all summit together. That was important to us. And we gave ourselves that permission. Along the way, we gave ourselves the permission to take a days of rest. Or maybe we went into town and we, we were going to stay one night and we allowed ourselves to stay two. Now, we didn't do that all the time because again, we had this constraint to work within. And yet we still allowed ourselves that. If we were feeling injured or sore or tired, we allowed ourselves to heal before pressing on. And the thing is, that kept me on the trail. There were many times I questioned leaving. But I believe because of having the accountability and that support system I knew cheering me on from all around the world, along with giving myself this flexibility to rest when I needed to rest and yet know that I needed to push myself other times because we did have ultimately a timeline, I was able to stay the course. In writing the book, same thing. I gave myself, now this was a little more artificial because there were no uh, weather determining factors. <laughs> I had to write my book before May or else what? I don't know. But I did set a timeline. And I did this because I ended up working with someone. And I do think that's also a key piece, but it's not going to be one of my points. <laughs> so I had someone else there, my publisher, who could work with me. And I'd say, okay, I'm going to get this to you by X, X date. And still, we said, all right, here's our launch date. Let's work backwards. When do you want to release your book? And I chose a date that felt good to me. It felt realistic, yet it felt like it would be a little bit of a push. And there also was some other meaning behind it for me. So that's why I chose it. Now, about a month or so into the writing process, we reevaluated. And we actually decided that we needed to push the date out. And I was, I was okay with that. Now, I didn't want to push the date out six months, but I pushed it out a month. So I had some wiggle room, just like when we hiked the trail. We, we took an extra week or so to hike because we could. So I learned that on the one hand, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not meeting my deadlines. Oh, I'm pushing it out. So yeah, there, there, there was some emotion that came up around that, that I was failing, that I was letting myself down. I wasn't really letting anyone else down. And then I remembered this important truth that it's okay to be flexible, that it's okay to go with the flow. And so I moved the date back and then I stuck to that one. And in the, in between, you know, I, again, I had guaranteed, I had uh, said I would uh, commit to a chapter a week and there were weeks where I didn't quite make that deadline, but I'd get close or I'd send it a few days later. Maybe one week I would send two chapters cause I kind of took a little longer on one of them and the other didn't take quite so long. And again, I was okay with that. So having this external framework, these creative constraints, or sometimes these very natural constraints are important and equally to then allow ourselves to flow, to be permissive of missed deadlines or something taking a little longer than we thought or needing to take an extra day off to rest. All of that is okay. At least in my now experience, I have two very real examples, and probably many more if I give some more thought to it, 
of having this experience. So I can now be a little more rest assured that this will happen again. When I set my mind to something that is seemingly impossible, I have proof in my experience that I know I will complete it. And having this knowledge of, and, and experiential data gives me some comfort to relax into these concepts that I can take one step at a time, that I can be flexible and ebb and flow and give myself permission. Because I know it's possible. Anything is possible. And so I leave you with that. And I invite you, first of all, to look at your own life. Where do you have these examples and experiences already? Because as soon as you can tap into that for yourself, it will feel tremendously more possible to do the next thing. But so often we are so hard on ourselves that we don't even give ourselves credit for all of the seemingly impossible things that we have accomplished. So first of all, find out what are those one, two, three, ten seemingly impossible things that you have already completed and done in your life. Did you give birth to a baby? In my estimation, that is impossible. <laughs> I haven't done that one yet. And I can't imagine pushing uh, a bowling ball out of my, my special parts. All right? I, I, that one seems impossible. And yet, millions of people have done it. And you might be one of them. Or have you completed a race uh, again, marathon, triathlon, those to me, seemingly impossible, okay? I have no idea how anyone does it, okay? So what are those things in your life so that you can tap into that and not just listen to someone else who said, well, I did this and I did that. It's really easy for us then to go, well, yeah, because you're special, you're different. Of course you can do that. That's not me. So what are these things in your life? And it may not be hiking 2,200 miles, and it may not be writing a book, but there's something else that you have done that is seemingly impossible to so many others because that's the other thing. It's only seemingly impossible to other people who haven't done it. Like to me, it is not impossible to write a book. It didn't even feel, here's the other thing, it didn't feel impossible before I did it. So that's the other thing. Again, I'm, I'm putting like, you know, point one point. A, there's one A, one B, this is like a one B. We, well, not only do we, we think of it as reality before it's reality, it's not even impossible for us to begin with, but it might seem impossible to others. So what are those things for you that maybe they, don't, they never seemed impossible, so you're forgetting them, but they might have seemed impossible to somebody else. And then take a look, were there some patterns? Were there things that you did in those in those um times that got you to completion. Maybe they were the same as mine. You know, maybe you told people about it. You made it a reality before it was. You took one step at a time and you had some constraints that you had to get done. You know, maybe there's a deadline. Maybe the race was on a certain day. And then you also allowed for some flexibility. You could see if those are true for you or maybe there were other things that you did. And then you can use that information the next time you are faced with something that is seemingly impossible. And so that is my wish and my prayer for you is that you recognize that it is only impossible until it is done. And many of us have already done the seemingly impossible. And so let's remember that as well. So if you're interested to know more about this book that I wrote, which I am 
so incredibly proud of. You can find it here. I'll, I'll link to it as well as on my website or go straight to Amazon and search for Becoming Enough. And that should pop up right away. It is a journey to the already perfect self. And it is something that I do believe so many of us need to be reminded of, especially at this time in our day and age. With that, I leave you all. I will hopefully talk with you again soon. And until then, peace and blessings. Pieces of the brokenness inside